Hello and welcome back to All Over the Place Exercises in E Pluribus Unum. Now, my mic looks too hot again. I got to turn this thing down. Hot. Jim, how are you, my friend? I am excellent, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, baseball took a little bit out, more out of me than I care to admit today. But, you know, we're in the like low hundreds still, still here. And but let's not talk about the weather. Life, life goes on. And it's, it's a labor of love what I do with this baseball. And I just I'm just hope my mic isn't as hot as I've been I've been told it is getting. Ironically, ironically, you're you're overheated. And your mic is not. I, I like I I, I like how you you, you I got, irony can be pretty ironic sometimes. Indeed, it can, as as so. the great William Shatner told us once. Yeah, indeed. Oh, and uh, that uh, I got I got to remember to get my tickets to the William Shatner documentary coming up in my theater, where it's a it's a compilation of all the incredibly bad things he's done through the years. It it looked incredibly cheese tastic. Man, must be a must be a miniseries. <laughs> Actually, you know, I you know, I should have had that. And folks, we are totally freestyling it tonight. So the, the, there's Ooh. we we typically in, in this little thing we call our our uh, still still to be uh, copyrighted fun sanity. Uh, we're typically fly, flying by the seat of our pants, but. Tonight, much much more than usual. So, uh, whatever's coming to our mind, we are all over the place. There's a reason it was named this. Exactly, no explanation needed. It's right there in the title. Whole lot of reason, a lot less rhyme, something like that. But now I'm looking reason, up the William Shatner documentary. Exactly. So William Shatner, I'm looking him up right now, and uh, as I search for this, and in, in, in a uh, an IMDb gone crazy on me with a Minions: The Rise of Gru ad, which is uh, dominating my screen right now. When I just want to see William Shatner and his filmography, what's the last? What, what's the? What, where are you right now, Jim? What, what's the last movie you watched? Uh, last movie I saw was Nobody, which I finally got around to seeing. And it was and, absolute fan freaking tastic, I must say. Is that the one with uh, with Francis McDormand? No, that was the one with uh, uh, Bob Odenkirk. Uh, oh, oh, that, yeah. where he he goes off on on a oh yes, goes off on a I John like this adventure. Yes, I, I liked it so much I forgot the title of it, and it's it's been a while since I saw it, so I, I that's the excuse I'll use today. I've gone blonde. More than usual, I, I've taken my uh, the role that I had. I'm not sure if I mentioned this on any of the past shows, but one of my utility man roles at the uh, theater where I work, uh, where I part time, is I, I get to host our movie parties, and we had a Fifth Element movie party. Ooh, nice! And, and, I, and I went as Corbin Dallas, and uh, I, you know, I through the years my hair has gotten less blonde. I, I, I was a, uh, a towhead as a kid, and then uh, just I chemically enhanced it from time to time. And what I, I just uh, put a little highlighter in for the, uh, the Fifth Element Party and uh, got some compliments on it. So I decided to make it stick. So I, I've always, I joke whenever I, I goof up and, and do something you know, a, a little bit uh, dorky and i'll just say look folks the the uh this pointing to the top of my head used to be the same color as this my always my eternally blonde eyebrows and now i don't need to explain anymore is it look it's a blonde thing 
Well, you know, you live in California long enough, you just automatically turn blonde. That's how it works. Well, no, it didn't. I look. It's kind of sad. I look at the pictures from even uh, before I moved here, what five and a half years ago to Arizona, and my hair was a lot darker there. It just started to do the the gray thing, or as my hairstylist called it. And yes, I'm straight, and I call the person who cuts my hair a hairstylist. It's what I did, what I do. And she said uh, the the gray the that that increasingly popped up on my head. And no, those are natural highlights, Eric. And that's how you get a bigger tip for me when you compliment my hair, so, or the receding lack thereof. It seems these days. But uh, yeah, but I, I'm enjoying being blonde again and just uh, playing playing the role of dumb guy from time to time. As much as I hate it. That's, so I don't have to play the role. Let me tell you, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm unnatural on that route. Uh, oh, what's what's the? Oh, here we are, Untitled William Shatner Project. No, can we just just give me the name of the dumb thing? And watch, it's probably a documentary that came out years ago, and my theater's showing it because we do a lot of retrospective stuff. And anyway, I just got to get my ticket for it because it just looks incredibly bad. On the flip side, though. Uh, coming up at the end of the month, and I feel I should just do a, a, a straight-up pimp here for the Majestic Neighborhood Cinema Grill, where we we, we basically took the old, we, we were in Alamo Draft House, and they, the local people bought it out. But we kept the same themes with movie parties. Uh, we have at the end of the month, uh, for the 100th anniversary of uh, Nosferatu, we have, uh, at one of our locations, we have... Uh, a Russian punk band coming in to to accompany. They're 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 going to supply the music to Nosferatu. Okay, I'm officially and, jealous. And the trailer is so badass. And oh wait, I I, I clicked not, uh, not explicit when when I when I started this live cast. Whoops, we can get away with ass, right? That's that's not one of uh, the uh, Carlin seven seven words, right? Get away with that. I've been called worse. <laughs> but uh yes I'm, I'm looking forward to that so uh tons of fun stuff oh and um although i will not i will not be doing any role playing as as much as i did i just don't have the time right now to prep for my role as i did with the fifth element movie party but i will be co-hosting this coming friday a the retrospective showing of peewee's big adventure very cool so I, draft house or elsewhere Oh, well, I mean, it's just at uh, we're, we're the majestic now is the theater uh, we, we took majestic, over from right. from from Alamo, so we uh, uh, it's going to be happening at a bunch of our uh, different locations, but our uh, the one where I am in our Gilbert location is uh, is coming up on Friday seven o'clock I believe. So if you're listening and you're in uh, the Phoenix area, folks, come on out. It's a Pee Wee Herman and uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure movie party for the first major motion picture from from mr tim burton and one of those movies that uh you know as as a kid i saw and you know i enjoyed it but kind of kind of moved on with my life but it's one of those movies that's kind of taken on a life of its own in the ensuing years i think and really become a cult hit uh it's you know the style it's so style it's amazingly stylish and dark and you know kind of uh typifies 80s movies 80s family movies really well um, and certainly, you know, part of being part of Tim Burton's legacy helped with that. But, uh, but interesting how that movie is kind of taken on a life of its own, even as, 
Pee Wee Herman himself has has most definitely gone by the wayside. It, it, the ups, the downs. We, we there's no no need to re-explore uh, what what got him in trouble in the early '90s. But you know he he's made a comeback. And I, I was just recently rewatching the uh, Pee Wee's Big Vacation or uh, what whatever I can't remember the the title of the show that he did uh, on that was a Netflix exclusive that had Joe Manga Manga Baga Manganiello. Uh, but I love how Pee Wee butchered his uh, his uh, name in the movie. At one, for a person whose last name is Pervoznik, you know, it, it was a, I, I got a little chuckle out of uh, Pee-Wee not being able to pronounce Joe's last name. So, but uh, yeah, Pee- oh, he's, he's, he has taken on a life of his own. And, and it's one of ten. You get everything that you ever really need to know about Danny Elfman in that soundtrack, that score as well. It, it's just, a, for, to me, it's a perfect Tim Burton movie. Oh, and, I, and, you know, certainly kind of ironic because it was attached to a, an existing uh, brand, but he was able to have so much creative freedom with that and just kind of run wild with all kinds of things. And I don't know, something about the two of them working together uh, really worked well. Uh, and, of course, they reteamed briefly for, for Batman Returns, but then uh, but never, never again after that, if I remember right. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was probably a brief moment for about five seconds where uh, – where Paul Rubens was uh, going to be his muse until until Johnny Depp appeared on the scene. So Johnny Depp, 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 man, come on, brother. Well, I, I it's I, I've often said that Burton would be best to kind of divorce himself. I'd like to see the old Tim Burton back, not having to rely constantly on Johnny Depp. Not to take anything away from Johnny Depp, they they've made a lot of good movies together. I just think there, there's been too many, and it's it's Burton's choice to do re, not not so much re, oh, well, not remakes, but but reboots or just taking an existing property. And the less we say about Planet of the Apes, which is I think the worst Tim Burton movie ever, and I, and I say that as someone who's who considers the Planet of the Apes franchise that that, that narrowly edges out the Rocky franchise for my favorite movie franchise ever i will never not want to sit down and watch a planet of the apes movie except for the tim burton and mark Wahlberg one yeah only saving graces of that of that that remake would be the supporting cast uh paul giamatti as as an orangutan slave was hilarious (laughs) um and of course the the uh the great charlton heston cameo Um, yes and and in my personal opinion that i probably practically stand alone on this but i actually really liked the twist ending in that one i thought it well, was it was it was yes. very interesting and different and here's the thing and, and thank you for bringing that up because that, that to me that's the only redeeming aside from the charlton heston cameo obviously uh, but the ending to that movie actually plays exactly as pierre boulet's novel did Right. The source material. So that I really like that part. And unfortunately, everything that preceded it was like, oh, my God, why am I here? But yeah, I, I, you know, I did not live up to the hype. But thank God, you know, they, we came back in the James Franco one from years later. And I'm glad they got the franchise back on track. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I, I think, you know, the, the, the rise of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and so on had a lot of things going for them. But I think one thing that they definitely had that, that the Tim Burton version didn't have was heart. You, you really feel there was kind of a, a real beating heart in the, in the, the newer 
version that you know they're all all the characters were likable their struggles were relatable um all you know they had they had all these human elements no pun intended that worked along with all the the monkey fighting and uh that's really what gave the movie its strength uh and looking back on the tim burton version there really wasn't any of that in there true yeah it's uh yeah, Burton, Burton I just lost his way for a little while. I, I'd like to see him make a comeback. And dang it, bring back Paul Rubens to, to you know, capture that magic again. Or, or, or just go Tarantino. And, <laughs> go Tarantino and just grab, grab somebody else completely out of it. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's certain directors that I would put on, that I, that I like to call hired guns. They're basically studio workhorses that just kind of, make a you know craft a product that the, the studio wants them to make i'm not going to name any names because i don't want to insult anybody but they're they just never really have an art a much of an artistic vision of their own but they just put together some really good effective blockbusters and genre movies and uh some for, for some directors that's what they're good at and tim but burton and i felt like for a while there burton was kind of at risk of ending up that way because he wasn't really making anything with a with a, a unique vision he was just kind of going with the flow and do, and kind of doing, I felt like he was doing whatever the studio threw at him, kind of starting with Planet of the Apes and a few others. I liked Dark Shadows, though. I really liked that one. I did, too. That was that was probably my favorite Tim Burton movie the last 20 years, honestly. Oh, absolutely. That was, that was really well done. Yeah. Best one since I mean, Ed Wood. Movie, I mean, a movie where, you know, the hero kills kills a bunch of hippies. I mean, you know, <laughs> how, how can you go wrong? I, I didn't even, I, I, how could I forget of, that? <laughs> no, come on! That was the best part. Well, one of the one of the many great parts of Once Upon a Time in in Hollywood was the was the anti hippie right. under undertones. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I mean, that, you know, I, I was the whole last fifteen minutes. I was laughing my my head off at that movie. It was so entertaining to watch to watch uh, both both the lead characters just go off on 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 the hippies and and everything they represented it was just beautiful and 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 you know interesting that came out the same year as in my opinion it felt like the wokeness of hollywood really hit its peak with stuff like captain marvel and charlie's angels and all these things and here comes this glorious middle finger to in my opinion all of it or at least where it all started from so what a, what a tonic that movie was in 2019 i must say Absolutely, and uh, <laughs> and then Brad Pitt had to go and, and kind of wreck the vibe with with his his vitriol at uh, the Academy. He accepted his very very well deserved supporting actor. Well, hey, you can't you, can't you can't win everything. No, you can't. I've, and I've given, kind of given up on award show speeches at this point. Uh, and uh, but you know, Brad Pitt wearing wearing dresses on the red carpet kind of kind of tells me where he's coming from these days so oh my gosh okay you're, you're bringing back some good and bad memories tonight jim i forgot all about the dresses oh yeah yeah so uh getting back to what you recently saw see folks these are the tangents we fly off on i am it is a gift and a curse for me so uh nobody give, give us your uh give us your take on that one it was i thought it was absolutely fantastic it did so many things right that a lot of modern, even action movies, do wrong. Uh, it had a it had a, a hero that was, first of all it wasn't too long. 
I think it was only about 90 minutes or maybe even a couple minutes less and which is incredibly rare these days and this is one of the things that I'll just I can rant about all day but movies are just so long these days and unnecessarily long um, and part of that is streaming I think because uh, you know filmmakers have basically all the creative control they want in streaming they, they have no editor to really cut their work up which is what I think a lot of them really want uh, it's just to not have to not have that so uh, they get their wish but then they make a movie that's you know that could be an hour and a half and is two and a half hours long and uh, but you know this movie was mercifully short it was only 90 minutes which was everything it every it told everything it needed to, to say in that 90 minutes um, you know obviously the uh, the action scenes were really well done uh, you know there was no no quick cutting no CGI or very little CGI uh not too, not too much stunt double work uh apparently bob odenkirk trained for something like two years to get ready for the the fight scenes in that movie and it really shows he did an incredible job for a middle-aged guy that's been that's been doing comedy his whole life um and it had a you know it had a it had a hero that was uh complicated and flawed and didn't wasn't just superhuman i'm so tired of the Mary Sue's and the Gary Stews in, in movies these days. That are, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the screenwriter just thinks they have to be perfect in everything. And, you know, he, you know, he, he'd get into fights and get his, get beat up all the time, but he would just power through it, which would, which I think is way more entertaining than somebody who's just untouchable because that gets boring after about 30 seconds. Um, and of course it just had a, had some really export some really interesting themes about, about masculinity and, and men's place in modern society and these things that, you know, had they been made by a different studio or made, made uh, you know, as part of a franchise, they probably would have been PC'd away. Uh, but, you know, they had a certain amount of freedom to tell those stories. So, or, or to tell the story that way uh, without pounding you over the head with the message at the same time. So, you know, it's, I'm not going to go so far as to call it old school filmmaking because it felt very fresh and very edgy, but right. at the same time, it felt like uh, something that, you know, it's, it felt like the kind of story that could have been told 20 years ago in, a, in, a, in an action movie and, you know, with Stallone or somebody like that. Um, Even 40 years ago, because, I mean, you nailed it with the, like, just, it was so compact and just cut to the core of everything and just, you're in, you're out, which is just good action movie pulpy whatever you want to call it but you got everything that you needed and then no extra you know weeping you know extra and exposition or just it's there you're in you're out it's an action movie we're done move on which exactly. the 80s was was completely known for right yeah it's just yeah it's amazing how much longer movies have gotten these days compared to even 10 years ago um and just and just going you know, again i'm not going to labor too many titles but there's been a lot of them that have just gone feel like they've just go on and on and on and uh and there's just somebody's somebody's afraid to edit them <laughs> i don't know why exactly but but um i don't know if it's just too much director egos getting pulled or what but but you know just editing doesn't seem to be happening these days so or or in, or in other cases there's too much editing uh and it's just and it doesn't it feels like a like a choppy story but it's still too long so uh it's just one of these basic storytelling things that seems to seems to be getting lost nowadays, but, uh, but yeah, it's just a, yeah, really, really well done, uh, film and didn't try to be anything more than it was. It just wanted to tell a fun story. You know, it wasn't trying to pound you over the head with a message or reinvent the wheel. It was just trying to have, have some fun. 
fun in a movie theater. What a, what a concept. And, and you're not going to say it, but, but, but I'm going to say it. We're looking at you, Judd Apatow, with your two and a half hour funny people, which could have been a whole lot funnier at an hour 45. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's half of a, of a it's, it's like a perfect movie with, with another hour of, of bloat attached to it. Seriously, and well, that's that's shut up because, because, because well, I, and look, God knows the guy's made a lot. Of, I mean, just def, def, uh, you know, uh, generation defining or era defining. The, the guy's he's a very funny guy and a, and a great director, a lot of great projects. But you get to that point where you know you become like Prince or George Lucas, and nobody tells you no, and you're and nobody edits you, and you get your director's cut, you, and it's the ego overdrive. Like you mentioned, and, and, and nobody wants to say no to you, so you're you're stuck with a movie that is good, but could have been great. Right, and I, I would only assume this is that that's uh, that was kind of a, a consequence of kind of the balance of power shifting in Hollywood, which happens all the time. For a long time, it was the the producers that had all the power, so they could tell the filmmaker, "No, you got to cut this down to an hour and a half, or you have to cast this movie star because he'll put butts in seats, or." you know, whatever. Uh, and then, you know, the power kind of shifted. So filmmakers kind of became their own, uh, their own producers in a lot of ways. And, and the, the studios just kind of let them do whatever they wanted. Uh, and, and yeah, I think a big consequence of that. And then when they couldn't do that with the studios, they ran off to Netflix and, you know, Netflix said here, you can make your, you know, uh, you know, no shade of Martin Scorsese, who's, who's a genius, but you know, uh, they said you can make your your uh, your Irishman movie here and make it four hours long, and nobody's going to tell you no. So uh, or don't you don't it, you so. don't you be don't you be throwing throwing shade at my man Marty. Don't you be doing that. Never, not in a million years. I but, I, I, I will don my, my I will put my Goodfellas shirt on. I I, I will I will you know I I, I can't go medieval because that's that's not his flick. But you know it's a, but but you're right and and. and but but here's and here's why I like the Irishman, and I'm I'm glad uh, our buddy Christian Toto, in his review of that, gave uh, his fans and gave, gave and I thought it was a great thing. I even passed it along to friends when I don't read Christian, but just say watch it in three parts. And here's the beat. Here right. here's the scenes where you want to stop, take your break. You know, just watch it like you're doing a TV show. These just binge it that way. And I, that to me, and, and I tried to watch it straight through. I'm like, yeah. Didn't like it the way I, and so I appreciate what Christian did there with that one. Just you know, makes it more palatable, and and Scorsese maintains his his genius. Absolutely, and yeah, that, there's no question that was a story that that can be told in three and a half hours and should have been. There's no reason to cut that one back. Um, and, but or to use a more controversial example, probably uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, mm -hmm. which was, which he, he, you know, he got to put the vision together. He wanted, it was over four hours long. There's no way that was ever going to make it into a theater, but he saw an opportunity there. So he cut it up into chapters. I mean, I don't know if you've seen that, but it actually does. It actually shows you the beginning of the beginning of each chapter after I think an hour, uh, mm -hmm. after each hour. So it's a perfect movie to kind of sit through in, 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 in separate sittings. If, if uh -huh. you, you know, if you're, if you're like me and your butt gets numb after, <laughs> well, I, I have the I, I have uh, a thing we, we like to call poor Vaznikitis, and the second you sit down in a chair, after about twenty minutes, we we, we fall asleep rather quickly in movies. And uh, what, what as long as we keep eating, which you know means I got to get on the bike for a few extra miles, but I can I continue to eat, I don't fall asleep, so that, that's that's how I got to work. So you just need to sit on the bike while you're watching movies, and problem solved. 
even damn it, man, you're onto something. As I as I stare at the uh, the bike mount in the, across the room right now. Hmm. But and uh, but I'm glad you brought up Zack Snyder because I think he's a guy who director's cuts he benefits the most from director's cuts and i kind of wish that and well no I, let me backtrack this um, hand is still on the chess piece i was about to say i wish 300 would have had a director's cut but that movie is perfect as is i can't imagine it getting better but watchmen i think was vastly improved and even improved beyond the director's cut was the super duper i mean extra footage that, that was also almost four hours long that that cut uh, of Watchmen is like, wow, because I, I think when, when studio when this, when Warner Brothers went in with him, you know they're, they're t- well cut this cut that cut that, and Batman versus Superman Dawn, Dawn, Dawn of Justice, that movie suffered horribly from it. But you go to the director's cut, it's like damn, amazing. Oh yeah, it's it's so the director's cuts are so much better in his work, and I think it's because he really likes he 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 is in love with his source material, and that's again I'm not saying that as as a negative, but he loves his no source no material, not at all. I think he really likes he really likes the idea of just laying that that source material out there as a complete experience, but you know but the downside is that it's not always realistic to have you know a three and a half hour. Uh, you know, superhero movie in theaters. And, you know, so it's not always practical, but, uh, but when it works, I mean, I think it's, I really think some of his, his movies come out beautifully. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, Batman v Superman. I was, you know, I'm not a hater of it. Like some folks, uh, I think it's a fascinating movie in that, you know, um, you can kind of see what he was trying to do there. Certainly the first, the first half of it almost feels like a James Bond movie, you know, with Clark, uh, sorry, not Clark Kent, with uh, Bruce Wayne, almost in the James Bond role, you know, doing all this mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. Of spy infiltration stuff. And, you know, you feel like he was really onto something there, but it just, um, but it was just biting off more than you could chew. But yeah, certainly the director's cuts, uh, like infinitely superior. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know what the solution is there for him. I th- he seems to have moved to Netflix and, uh I don't know how great a movie that was. I was not a big fan of his his zombie movies that he's made recently, but uh, uh, just in terms of storytelling. But they are, you know, like everything he makes, they're beautiful to look at. But the storytelling wasn't, I, I was not up to par. Let's say. Right. Well, but, uh, Sucker Punch. As as much as I, I'm not going to defend Sucker Punch beyond saying that movie as a narrative, <laughs> very tiresome. However. Take it in segment. Take it in very, very tiny segments. Take it as a series of music videos. It's much better. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know the. Yeah. Visually gorgeous. Uh, some of the action scenes are amazing, but it just it doesn't hold together as a story at all. Um, uh, you know, it's it's kind of hard to, to figure out what he was going for with that one, but but uh, but you can certainly appreciate the technical side of it. Um, you know, and yeah, but it's, yeah, it's hard to say where he's, where his career is going to kind of go after this. There's rumblings that now that the DC is getting, uh, this, the slate cleaned by, uh, by, by the new, their, their new head honcho that they, they might bring, bring, uh, Snyder back and bring back his, uh, his vision for, for future DC, but I'm, I'm not holding my breath on that one. Yeah, with the house cleaning, is well, who, who knows what to predict from Hollywood? But it's uh, it's. 
I would think they would want, want to wash their hands completely for, for either the good or the bad with Snyder. It's just so unpredictable what's going to come out with that guy. And uh, depending on a director's cut, it's not going to, not going to get them the money that, they, that any studio wants to make. Although it was, it was, <laughs> it was nice to see them say, uh, Batgirl or ba- uh, what was it? Bat- Bat- yeah, it was Batgirl, the one that, that 70 million uh-huh. that they just said, yeah, we're, we're, we're just going to wash our hands of this one. And uh, okay, we'll take the loss on that one understanding yeah. that will will make you go broke whether, whether you release Absolutely. it or not yeah and i think that's a perfect example of of hollywood economics which you know not everyone uh kind of kind of sees how that how that all works because i've, I've seen people say well they already spent 90 million dollars on it why aren't they just why don't they just release it well i mean number one that's a sunk cost you know that's already been spent before this before the new guy came on board but but more to the point they have to spend at least that much to market it and release it and they have to split ticket sales with the uh the uh theaters so you know they're still they have to sink so much more money in it to actually get it out there that you know i think i think i think this guy weighed the consequences of that versus just taking a tax write-off on something that's already been spent and said eh, i think we're done you know just just be done with it so uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a very different kind of business decision than, than you might, you might think of it up front, but that's just kind of how the, the economics work. Right. Oh, and I, I, I was able to track down, I just went to our, uh, theater's website, uh, because I was tired of scrolling through, I, I don't even think this is going to be on IMDb with it's Shatner, the motion picture, the ultimate William Shatner mega mix. And it looks to be, uh, created by the the team uh i'm gonna guess i got it from alamo draft house because this just screamed to them and i'm glad that you know majestic continues in that in that vein uh and and modus operandi and it's just uh shatner the motion picture has been remixed revamped redux renamed but certainly not remastered from previous incarnations and bringing the most concentrated amount of william shatner that federal and state laws currently allow You'll come for the carnivorous spiders and melting faces. You'll stay for the motorcycle fight to the death against Andy Griffith. Come celebrate the unmistakable and unforgettable work that is 70s and 80s Lost Years era Shatner with a collection of his most outrageous performances ever committed to film. If you missed this one the first time or you just can't get enough Bill Shatner, now is your chance to see it on the big screen. If you're new to the worldwide freakout, we can't think of a better point of entry than this film. We can assure you it's going to get more absurd from here. So that is coming up on what day? That is October 1st and 77% full. I better get my butt down to the theater and snag my tickets tomorrow. Well, I can I can think of two responses to that. Number one, they lose points for not naming their movie Holy Shatner, which is what I have. Oh, to we have a winner. Uh, number two, <laughs> number two uh, the reference to to Shatner uh, having a motorcycle fight to the death with Andy Griffith. I actually know what movie that's from. That's <laughs> that no, spill the beans, brother. I don't. Uh, I need to know what to look uh, up later. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember what the movie was called. It was called like, like Firefoxes or something like that. It's, uh, but it's, but it's a movie about, about, uh, I think from the early eighties about these four guys that go on a motorcycle ride together because they, you know, they hate their lives. It's kind of like a really, uh, cheesy version of Wild Hogs. Uh, I was say, it, it, it's, a pre- it's a precursor to to Wild Hogs. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's Shatner and Andy Griffith and uh, uh, the guy the guy who played Mike Brady from Brady Bunch. 
and I can't remember who the fourth actor was, but these four guys and they're they're you know they're just riding around on these cheesy early eighties uh, Japanese motorcycles, and uh, I think Shatner was is suicidal. He spends like half of the movie like almost throwing himself off a cliff every five minutes, um, and they you know they they end up you know fight, fighting it out and like killing each other throughout the movie. It's just complete. It's it's trying so hard to be serious, but it's just ridiculous early eighties cheese. And I, yeah, it's just this ridi- utterly ridiculous movie. And, and of course, vintage William Shatner. No way. Is this it? Yeah. This has got to be Cause here's Robert Reed. Angie Dickinson's in this. Oh, I, oh, I am. Yeah. Yeah. This is early seventies. This is 1974. Early Pray 70s. for the wildcats. Pray, Pray for, for the, the wildcats. wildcats. Yeah, that's it. An right. ad agency suggests and- using Baja, California, Mexico for an industrialist campaign. He insists on all four of them riding the 600 miles on dirt bikes to find the perfect spot. It gets rough, just not the route. Yeah, it's oh, such a Andy Griffith, William Shatner, and Robert Reed. Oh, yeah, just just pure early yeah early 70s TV movie cheese. It's beautiful. And I, oh, yeah, I, I, I distinctly remember seeing that as a kid on TV with my family. How have I never seen this? Well, cause I, was, I was focusing on all the, uh, the, the latter Planet of the Apes movies that were showing cha- constantly on Channel 33 in Youngstown, Ohio on those rainy days, rainy day cinema. No Pray for the Wildcats. That sounds perfect for that. Oh, <laughs> holy Shatner indeed. I'm getting my tickets for Shatner, the motion picture, the ultimate William Shatner mega mix tomorrow. And then picking up my my tickets for the uh, the Nosferatu, with the with the Invincible Czars. That's the uh, the punk band that will be supplying the music over at the Majestic Neighborhood Cinema Grill. And and, and gratuitous plug for my employer. Nice. I'd like to make a make a shout and recommendation, actually, if I could. Uh, We are all over the place, Jim. Of course you can. <laughs> this is probably not in the retrospective because it was actually a decent movie. But uh, in, the, in the, I think the late '90s, he made a. You may, you may have heard of this movie. It's called Free Enterprise. Uh, it's a, it's kind was of a, a documentary. It's kind of a goofy. No, no, you're thinking of Trekkies made around. No, I'm thinking Trekkies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Free Enterprise is kind of this goofy romantic comedy. It's kind of like uh, Swingers, only for geeks. And the main characters are all Trekkies. They're all, you know, it's kind of about their love lives and, and, you know, romantic lives and all these things. It's, 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 it's really similar to swingers, but it's all about uh-huh. Trekkies. And, uh, and uh, like Phil Lamar is one of them. He's, he's, he's hilarious in it. Um, but, uh, but William Shatner actually shows up because he's the main character's uh, imaginary friend from when he was a kid. So okay. he keeps, he keeps having visions of, of, imaginary William Shatner as a kid. And then he actually meets the real William Shatner as an adult. And it's kind of like this meet the meet your heroes thing, but uh, it's, it's actually a really funny movie. Shatner is hilarious in it. Uh, and just, I, I, I'm, being, I'm looking being, at it right now. His usual self. Yeah. But he's, of course, he's of course being Eric himself. McCormick. Uh, yeah. I, I like him. And there's Phil Lamar. Yeah, I've got two William Shatner things to be be looking up tonight after after we uh, we wrap AOTP tonight. <laughs> this is great. Right yeah, kind of a holy yeah, shit. Kind of an overlooked gem, in my opinion. And I, I, well, some, I, some really funny uh, cameos in that. But anyway, and what what was that one? I was initially when you were starting to describe it, 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 it sounded a little bit like the the guys who went on their uh, quest. <laughs> 
uh, the the Star Wars quest. That, uh, you mean Galaxy and Quest? They went, they went, the, uh... No, no, went, no. That where they wanted the four guys wanted to get to, out to. Uh, Oh, right, Lu- right, Lu- right. Lucas Ranch. Oh, what was that? And uh, J- 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 Bar- J- J- Baruchel, uh Right, right. Yeah, I'm trying to remember up... what that movie was called. I don't remember. It's I haven't seen that like since it first came out. It's been a long time. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. What was that movie called? That's gonna that's gonna bug me for a while now. <laughs> oh no no don't worry I'm on IMDb I'm I'm cheating right now so I get I'm okay. looking up Jay Burchell's uh, but uh, when it was also uh, uh, one of the, one of the other stars oh, of it uh, uh, wound up on uh, fanboys yes there it is yeah the uh, one of the the the, uh, the one of the, the other cast members uh, wound up on the offer on Paramount uh, about the the making of the Godfather yeah he played uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Stop me before I sub-reference again, because and please stop me before I don't. I don't remember people's <laughs> names. I just struggled with it. Jay Burchell, yeah, that's it. That's one of the stars. So, I can name the movies. I just the intricacies of it. That's the first time I've ever say, heard anyone say his name last name out loud. Actually, I had no idea how to pronounce it. Jay, Jay Burchell. Yeah, I, I I could be pronouncing it incorrect. I I think I've heard it that way. I, I, I mean, he's a Canadian, so I may not be uh, hitting my my proper French accents. But the, the the less we hear me do French, the better, because even after six seven years of taking French, my accent just comes off as a very very uh, goofy combination between Pepe Le Pew and LeBeau from Hogan's Heroes. It ain't pretty, folks. It ain't pretty. I keep I keep the Russian accent from taking the Russian language, but of course with the French it comes off horribly. So that doesn't sound happy. <laughs> no, well, well, the the French. I mean, the, you, you, the French. You, you don't want to hear the French. No, the Russian. Good. <laughs> I'm good. French. French. No, 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 no. Unless you want me to say again. See, it starts coming off. It's between LeBeau and uh, and Pepe Le Pew. The unfairly. Battered down Pepe Le Pew. We all know he was a jerk, folks. We don't need to, oh, to, to you know, don't even dox the guy. Come on. No, People I do want to get you started. Point. People miss the entire point of those cartoons, which is that he's he gets humiliated every time. He loses every time. And, you know, he's, and he, he's it's obviously saying don't ever be like this because you'll just end up humiliated, a humiliated loser and alone. And without it's, the girl, you want to be with the girl. You don't want exactly. to be like Pepe Le Pew. Exactly. It's yeah. It's a classic example of I. I we can't uh, actually look at what at, at what what the content is saying. We just have to say the content is wrong. But anyway, totally context. discussion right there. The, the the context of content. You silly, silly boy. You, you, <laughs> you, you mega evil person. What, what 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 were we called the other day by by a president who claimed to be a uniter? Oh, I, I got geez. I got lost in the whole Mustafar setting from which he gave his speech. <laughs> I, mean, I, can't, I'm a, I can't stop picturing Mustafar after you said that. By the way, I mean, it, I I couldn't remember. I had to be helped out by a, a fellow umpire over the week. We were, we were talking about it in, in the locker room uh, in some downtime, and it's like. Uh, did you see the speech? I'm like, no. And, uh, and I was like, see, 
and they said it's it, it looked like he was on and i on uh darth vader's not his home world of course but the, the one that where he set up his base uh when uh you know after he was uh or once he became darth vader and I said, see, old, uh, young Eric, old, uh, for, in a former lifetime, I, you know, Star Wars geek, I would have been able to name that planet right away. And now I just say it's, you know, the, the lava world. And he, uh, and one of the fellow umpires chimes, he says, I got kids. It's Mustafar. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> I said, not Mufasa. Right. That's all I say. Exactly. Well, well, and he said, you know, they, you know, they don't even like the sequels slash prequels or whatever, anything after the, the canon of episode four five and six, let's not even discuss what needed. It's best left unsaid. Yes. With the exception of rogue one, rogue one belongs in the canon of the first three. Rogue one. And maybe half an hour, the half hour of, uh, uh, force awakens when Han Solo shows up and that's pretty much it. I can, I can deal with that. Oh, and speaking, <laughs> we could, we could, we could absolutely, but it, it would, everything just would come back around to me with, I purposely bought a PlayStation two so I could buy battlefront so I could kill Ewoks. <laughs> that was the best $240 I ever spent. You will never say yub yub again. I spent an entire weekend, Jim, and I, I'm not embarrassed to say this. I was, what, 20, 29, almost, a, yeah, it was before I got married. So it was, yeah, uh, I spent an entire weekend killing Ewoks. And well, damn, did it feel well, good. You were doing the world a favor, man. They were cannibals. Did you see the empty helmets they were using as drums? I mean, why were those helmets empty at the end of that movie? Cannibals? Hello? Thank you for paying attention to that. I, I tune out as soon as I see C-3PO uh, being held up like a Hava Nagila. I, you know, it's. You think they gave those stormtroopers a proper burial? I don't think they did. I don't think, you know. They're lunch meat. Ho holy Shatner again. You are opening my eyes tonight, my friend. Yeah. No, it's, but, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you're, doing the, you're doing the world a favor, saving, saving this from, from those horrible teddy bear cannibals. <laughs> Well, the last movie I watched, uh, and, and uh, since we, we have entered into a little bit of the Star Wars lore, we're going to quickly get away from it because the less said about the, the recent ones, the better. Uh, but I watched uh, Adam Driver, one of the cast members of House of Gucci. Mm -hmm. Which, have you seen it yet? I have not seen it. Because Ridley Scott, it's, you know, more, again, another guy, you don't know what you're going to get anymore. I mean, just the legendary, like Tim Burton, legendary for many, many reasons. But House of Gucci is, I think it's one of those ones that's so bad, so over the top, whether they did it on, on purpose or not, especially, well, Pacino, I mean, you're either going to get him gunning at, you know, level five Al Pacino or, or nothing. And and Lady Gaga, and well, what did I read somewhere? I can't remember if it was on uh, Christian's site or, or uh, whichever review it was, but is it is it an Italian accent or Transylvanian? I'm We're not really sure. <laughs> for, for which actor? Uh, for for uh, Lady Gaga. Uh, Lady portraying, Gaga, yeah. Yeah, for portraying. And she, I, I like her as an actress. I really, really liked her in uh, The Star is Born with Bradley Cooper. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, 
So I'm not I'm not knocking her as an actress, but her accent. Like, what what are we picking here? Because you know, Jared Leto, is it Leto or Leto? Leto. Leto. Okay. So okay, I, I don't know. I've heard it both ways, but I guess I well, say Leto. Well, well, his his acting over the time. Adam Driver was the only one who was really just like understated, uh, but Leto. Uh, Completely over top, but but fun to watch, and uh, but he had a very good Italian accent. Pacino always has a good, great Italian accent for for obvious reasons. Uh, but Lady Gaga again, he's Transylvanian. Is this what she's going for? Wasn't exactly sure. So it was uh, as I butchered probably a million and one Eastern European generic accents into one right there. Uh, I was doing my best. Apparently, she was inspired by Angelina Jolie in uh, Alexander. If, if you've ever seen that, it's, <laughs> the ac- the accents in that are just one part of that train wreck, but they're amazing. M- might we say all over the place? <laughs> yeah. But I'm or, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I was I was I was trying to channel uh, inadvertently William Sadler as Death in uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus <laughs> Journey, which is an amazing Czechoslovakian accent. Yes. At least that's that's kind of where I was where I was coming from with it, but yeah. Uh, yeah but but how so Gucci? Best two out of three, you bet your ass. Or <laughs> best four out of seven, you bet your ass. Uh, <laughs> I got the quote right eventually, folks. Okay. Um, oh good. But how so Gucci? And it's on Amazon Prime right now, so it's definitely worth checking out. But why it's two and a half or almost two and a half hours or in that time frame, but watch it in segments. I, I, I don't have which beats where to stop. stop where you find it proper and then come back at it. But it's worth seeing just it's it's uh, to steal from the name of one of my, my bands back in L.A. It's a glorious disaster. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen that one, but I've I mean, I've seen the ads and I've seen clips and. From what I've seen, I mean, I think it started out as a serious movie, and at some point they just realized they were doing soap opera and just ran with it. And yeah, just went over the top with it. So, and, and not enough Jeremy Irons, but you know, it's that could be said of a lot of movies where you only get a little bit of him. Yeah, well, but uh, Dungeons and Dragons really, really showed he, he can go as, as over the top as anyone in, in Hollywood, and that's not a good thing necessarily. Oh, saw the trailer for that recently too. The one coming up with uh, new one. Yeah, that looks pretty damn good. It looks. I mean, it looks uh, unpretentious. It looks like they're just trying to tell a fun adventure story. Uh, I, you know, it's just hard to say because I don't know how hard they've tried with it. You know, it's like they. I don't know how hard they tried to actually make it entertaining versus just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks, but, uh, but it could be, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Chris Pine looks very, look, looks very entertaining in it and the actors look like they're having fun. So I'm definitely going to give that one a shot. I, I mean, it it's one of the nice, as I say, it can't be worse than the one that came out in 2000. That one was, was just got awful with, uh, you know, with one of the Wayne's brothers and all that. Oh, God, I forgot about that. I, th- I think it's probably best that everyone forgets about that one. But but I'm glad you brought up Chris Pine because he he's a guy who you know has impressed me more often than I, and I I, I kind of tuned out with the Star Wars or I'm sorry the Star Trek stuff that he did, and I kind of I, I don't know I, I wasn't enough of a Trek guy and especially after the 
I thought they tied it up nicely with Star Trek Generations. Although I did, you know, I, I did watch a few of the movies with uh, the, the the Next Generation cast, but I, I didn't get into that TV show. So I, I I think I just need to go back and watch it based off of what I've I've seen from Chris Pine, everything he's done since then. I just think he's he's got a good uh, almost, and, and I'm not saying he's as good as, but just when Harrison Ford was just clicking in the late seventies, early eighties. Even in, in, even as far into you know uh, uh, the fugitive and uh, well basically everything before Harrison Ford just went huh with six days seven nights, but it, he's just got that carefree breeze about him. Chris Pine does, and, he, and he's just impressed me more often than not, especially with the uh, well. Let's just talk about the first Wonder Woman movie, Wonder Woman eighty four. We it doesn't need to discuss, but I, I I like him. He's just a a, a good. Uh, Good guy at the right time, I think. And don't don't worry, darling. I think it's going to be a good way, at least from the trailers. Looks like it'll be a good way to uh, hi- highlight his uh, dramatic side. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I think <clears throat> I, I didn't like that noise you make. Please elaborate. <laughs> uh, so Chris Pine, I mean, you know, he came off kind of bland to me at the beginning, uh, but but I, I saw him in some other stuff. Um, uh, bland, bland in which movie? Uh, well, Star Trek and and especially Jack Ryan, some of those other kind of okay. quasi leading role like franchise sure. leading. Okay, I, I see what you mean now. Yes, mm-hmm. gotcha. I, I agree. And, yes, it, it, trying, yeah. almost finding his way at that point. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, but I've, I've seen him in some other stuff, some supporting roles where he's been really entertaining to watch. Uh, like Smoke and Aces, where he played one of the one of the psycho killers in that, mm-hmm. and uh, in some other movies, and you know, I, re- I really kind of kind of get the feeling that he's he's a character actor in a leading man's body, and I think he'd mm. probably be happier if he didn't look like you know matinee idol. If he could just be <laughs> yes. a character actor, he would probably ha- be having a lot more fun um, and be giving better performances. But, uh, but like horrible yeah. bosses too. Not not as good as the first horrible bosses, but still, I think a worthy worthy sequel. I I, I liked him in that and uh, Hell in High Water or Hell or High Water. I really dug him in that. That that showed me uh, that's where I'm like, yeah, the guy's got some chops, okay. which I think plays in what you're saying. Be a character actor. Not a leading man, although there was a leading role. But I mean, it's uh, he he could really cut his teeth with some uh, just take taking those uh, character actor roles. And, and Outlaw King, oh boy! I, 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 as soon as I say one thing, well, wait a minute, he was very good as a leading in the leading role in Outlaw King. Yeah, actually, he was. I didn't even mention it, but you know, I, I guess what it comes down to is it needs to be something he can really sink his teeth into. Um, I think he just doesn't do the kind of true blue hero thing very well. But when he, when he gets something, he can really. That has some edge to it. He he plays it really well. Um, speaking of his performance in "Don't Worry, Darling," that's coming out. Uh, have you heard the whole kerfluffle with him and his character and uh, Jordan Peterson? No, I, I, I've heard some rumblings about that it was based off of Jordan Peterson, and it's in a not so flattering way. So, ex- uh, you know, yeah. help, help me out and and our listeners. <clears throat> so basically. Uh, Olivia Wilde, who's a huge SJW, has been been kind of kind of throwing whatever she can at the wall to, as, as far as as far as trying to push PR for this movie. And uh, you know, I, could, I mean, I could probably unload the whole saga for about an hour and all the crazy stuff she's done. But but her latest it was to basically suggest that Chris Pine's character, who is a cult leader, I guess, 
mm-hmm. uh, is was was supposedly based on Jordan Peterson, who she refers to as the king of the incels, and that he that he that he basically represents everything that's wrong. Uh, Chris Pine's character represents everything that's wrong with masculinity, and so she, he she he was actually based on uh, Jordan Peterson, which I don't believe for one second. I don't think that. I don't think anywhere in the, in the in the script notes it said this character is Jordan Peterson. I don't think that Chris Pine plays him that way. I, don't, I think that's probably the first he's heard of that. Um, but I think she just saw an opportunity with promoting the movie to take a shot at somebody she doesn't like, and so she just she just went after him with a vengeance. Uh, but it's just completely ridiculous. <clears throat> and I've, se- I've seen I've been seeing this more and more with filmmakers when they're promoting their movie, they just start shooting their mouth off about whatever political issue they can, they can try to shoehorn into their movie and make it mm-hmm. quote unquote relevant, relevant. But yeah, it's just throwing box ridiculous. office before they have to. Yeah. And, and then they have an right. excuse to blame, yeah. blame the right. And so, well, they just, they just are just acting as I said, they would, which is true. This movie looks good to me. I mean, again, it's easier for me to say, cause I see my flicks for free, but I, I like Florence Pugh. I like what she's done with, in a variety of roles. And Getting back to the Russian accent, I think she, uh, David Barbour, and uh, who's the uh, who played uh, Rachel Black Vice. Widow's mother, Rachel Vice. Their Russian accents, what the hell? In and out, like worse than well, not nothing will get worse than Kevin Costner in Robin Hood, but just the all over the place with with their accents. But Florence Pugh, perfection. Uh, but yes, I, it's. The movie looks good, but yeah, but unfortunately, you know, you, you've got the people spouting off and just destroying box office, and this is why people aren't coming to the movies. Oh, oh, oh I, I shouldn't say that because you know, it's it's it was a it's a nice weekend over there, and and it's also nice to say that Top Gun Maverick is still pulling in good crowds. Segway, uh, yeah. Over the over the weekend, <laughs> over the weekend, Top Gun actually became the first movie in history to to be number one at both the Memorial Day and Labor Day weekends in the same year. That's what, never what, been done before, and, and Top Gun just pulled it off. Damn! Not even Star Wars pulled that off. Nope. Wow, or, so or any or any of the first two sequels. Wow. Yeah, so it's unofficially. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's really officially become the king of the summer. This summer, and, at least. Yeah. Well, what what about? I'm trying to think. What was number one on Fourth of July? Because uh, Thor hadn't come out yet. That was still a week away. Love and Thunder. Because I, I know we are still going nuts with. Uh, what else was out then? There was one other movie. I, I probably just answered my own question, but I can't find the answer to it. But but Top Gun was still going like neck and neck with it kids movie if i'm remembering right but uh yeah so number number one at the box office for memorial day and labor day hot damn oh it was probably the one you're thinking of was probably uh minions ah there you go that was it yep but it was it barely beat out maverick if i'm remembering correctly i it yeah it did they were they were almost neck and neck but yeah Uh, but i mean you look back over the summer i mean you know, you've got Maverick and Spider-Man, Minions, you know, all these movies that, that, are, that have been winning out, none of them are woke, you know, and they're yeah. just, they're, 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 you know, the wokeness is just absolutely not doing, absolutely failed this summer. I mean, Thor, nobody cared. People forgot about Thor a week after it came out. 
But it's uh, still it's still brought in a ch- decent chunk of change. But you know, you've got your the Marvel, the MCU that to thank or roll your eyeballs for that one. But yeah, just it's it's a property that's going to make money no matter what. But but certainly not not as much as as Ragnarok did, or or what you've come to expect from the uh, the MCU universe. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to keep making these movies, but I really don't think Disney even cares about whether they're successful or not. I think at this point, they're just looking for content to keep pushing out to Disney Plus so people keep subscribing because I think they see that as right or wrong. I think they see that as their future is that they think in, in 50 years, people are still going to be subbing to, to Disney Plus as long as they keep pushing out this this content as fast as they can. And I don't know if it has a future. That's, you know, it's hard to say with this this kind of stuff, but... Uh, that's they seem to be betting it all on streaming at this point. Hmm. Yeah. Well, switching total gears, you and I talked about another subject that we, we were kind of wanted to delve into, and I was hoping that we would have a a Facebook or is it Facebook or Meta now? What are we supposed to call it? I, it still comes up Facebook when I go to. It, it doesn't oh, say I Meta know. on the URL yet, so. Well, I, I, I just call it Facebook Messenger. I'm assuming that's exactly. What I'm about. Well, no, but but, uh, but the uh, conversation I was having on the uh, page of a friend. It was a friend of a uh, of a it was a Facebook friend of a friend of mine, and uh, it, it was in regards to the student loan bailouts. And right. <laughs> I liked your eye roll to what she wrote. I'm thinking, well, there are some good points in there. And then when I read over it again, I'm like, no, this is just more leftist gobbledygook obfuscation to take away from the fact that at its core, this student loan forgiveness is just a way of, of wiping a slate clean for someone making a bad decision, a voluntarily bad decision. And I love it. I, I look back on some of the other stuff she said and was like, uh, these, these people are suffering from, you know, pre- predatory loans that get you to come in and under the promise that, you know, you're going to get, you need to have an education, this, that, the other. And while I think there is some validity to the American dream, at least, you know, when I, I was still a part of that when I, I graduated high school in 88 and I know it was very, it was drummed into my head, got to go to college, got to get your degree, this, that, the other. And that just, that's the order of things. And I remember my parents being very against me. I, I had an internship where I could have gone straight, not even an internship. I could have gone into working at a local Toledo radio station. I was going to be going to Penn State on, to get a broadcast degree. And I'm thinking, well, here's a way. Like, let's. It, it wasn't taking a year off to go backpacking through Europe. It was a year for me to get my feet wet in the industry where I eventually wanted to be anyway. But my parents were, no, this is, you know, you, you're... You need to go to college first, get your degree, and then do that. And I look back on that, and you know, and I, I you know, after I graduated, I got, you know, I started doing some board operators. I mean, the, the way you you build your resume and you pay your dues and all that stuff, I could have done that four years prior, and maybe in that four years, I could have already had my, uh, you know, I could have ascended up to having my own radio slot somewhere. Maybe not that Toledo station, a lower market or whatever. But so I see a little bit of what this uh, woman was saying in regards to predatory loans and all that. But that just comes back to the victimology. At what point do we have to accept responsibility for the fact that I took out a loan or I'm saying I as, you know, the general I. And I I got a degree, a philosophy major or, you know, uh, a broadcasting degree (laughs) or a theater degree or whatever. 
And okay, I made that choice. I knew the dividends weren't going to be as much as, say, if I would have gone and gotten a business degree. I made that decision. So why are we allowing people to make excuses now? Well, I, 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 I'm going to answer it. I already said it. Victimology works now. So, I mean, what prompted your eye roll upon reading what she wrote in response to me? Well, it was just, it was so much, there was so much illogic and so many, what felt like, like talking points. I don't think that she'd really thought any of this through the, it felt like she was just, it was a bunch of disconnected talking points that she'd probably pulled from somewhere else. And I think probably the, the, the one that bothered me the most was when she said, uh, you know, this will allow people to, to contribute to the economy if we forgive these student loans. And that was probably the biggest eye roll for me because I felt like, well, number one, it's $10,000. If, if you only need $10,000 to get out of debt, why don't you just get out of debt? Why do you need, <laughs> why do you need taxpayer money to do that? I mean, for most people, debt is a lot higher than that. And there's a lot more than 10 grand stopping them from that. And number two, uh, wait a minute, man. Wait a minute, was, man. Did, did, did you cash? <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you, man, but did, didn't did you cash your stimulus check? That was free money, man. Okay, go on. I wish I had. Anyway, because <laughs> um, well, apparently it's okay to take taxpayer money for whatever you want now, as long as it helps, I guess. Right. Uh, but I mean, that, but that was, and, and to me, that was the biggest thing was, like yeah maybe it helps them contribute to the economy a little bit but that's it at the expense of of other people that are working and it's 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 going to rob them of their ability to contribute to the economy so it's just robbing peter to pay paul it's completely pointless it's all you know all of this stuff it, you know people act like there's just like a huge pile of money that the government can just spend whenever they want it's like no they're taking our money people have to work for this people people this is people's sweat and 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 energy going into this and and the government just takes it and gives it to somebody else it's completely pointless that's money that, that other people can't spend for them spend on themselves and their families and they can't contribute to the economy because you're taking it out of their pocket so it's it's just completely ridiculous argument well let, let me give you a little bit more of uh from uh this was pre-eye roll material so that this is what uh one of our the earliest part of our repart repartees our our tete-a-tetes uh Sure, because I my, my argument is, quit playing the victim card. We still live, despite you know everyone in not everyone, but a lot on the left and some on the right as well, trying to you know manipulate the economy or you know just it, it, to me it all comes down to the Democrats once again they create a problem with with these predatory loans and whatever however you want to define a loan predatory or not it. They they game the system and then they want to fix it and say oh th you know yeah well, no one pays attention to the fact that they created the problem that they they now say they are going to be the saviors to fix like like the, jacking the gas prices up and then lowering them as it gets closer to the holiday season and election day but she said uh, sure I have and, and I said you know and I also uh, concluded with her with. We still live in a great economy. We still live in the, the best place in the world for people who are in the lower social and economic strata to pull themselves up and make something of themselves and get to the, the middle class, upper middle class, or beyond if they want to. And you know, she's like, sure, I have anecdotes of people who have risen up for their station against the odds as well, but I know of many more people who hit a spot of bad luck and are now in a hole that seems impossible to dig out of. Our country does not have the social safety programs that other first world countries do, and that's a fact. It's way easier to slide down than to move up the way our economy currently stands. In fact, one-sixth of all bankruptcy cases are for medical expenses. 
I can't prove that. I don't know it, true or not. We'll never get healthcare or free college because it's needed as a recruitment tool. But that's beside the point. Anyways, back to the college loan forgiveness. A lot of these folks get trapped into predatory loans at a young age with the promise that a college degree was necessary for a prosperous life. But hey, they were, quote, finding a way to make education happen, right? There's a lot to be said and done about the bloat and corruption of the higher education market, but this is a start. This legislation goes beyond the loan forgiveness, but also ensures that as long as you make payments of 5% of your income, your interest won't accrue. This isn't a handout. It's a small reprieve to help a generation of student debtors actually have a chance to get out from under the debt, their debt, and to move on to the next chapter of their lives, buying a house, starting a family, etc. You know, things that generally help the stability of a country. If we invested more in our own people, we could be great. Some some salient points to be sure, but again, just more victimology, gobbledygook. And well, that, yeah, that's asking the government to fix your problems. Get the government out. And we can fix our problems a lot better if we have more of our own money to invest in. Not someone else's money. Exactly. And to me, yeah, and to me that's that's really where the my eye roll re- reaction came from because this felt like it's just felt like a lot of excuses for why we need to dig into people's pockets even further. And it's because it's always more, more, more take, 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 you know, it's always just, let me give you 10,000 excuses why I need, I need more of your money and more of your freedom. And it gets old real quick. And yeah, I, I absolutely, I like, I understand where she's coming from with, you know, talking about being sold a bill of goods that you, that you need, you, you just need to go get a, college degree because because i you know i i heard that story too when i was a teenager was you just got a mm-hmm. college degree and then you know the world will just open itself up to you as you as you walk walk out into the real world with your college degree and yeah that's not how the world works of course not and it's 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 insane that we're still telling kids that but especially these days but i've and i've heard a lot of belly aching about that and to i have some sympathy for it but at the same time no one ever talks about the people that actually told them that and holding those people accountable. Nobody, nobody says, let's go, you know, let's go hold the universities accountable for that because they collude with the student, the student loan companies to push this on kids. Or, you mm-hmm. know, if your parents told you that, then talk to your parents about it and, and raise your, raise your kids differently. I mean, there's ways to actually fix this problem, but just taking money out of taxpayer, hardworking taxpayers to, to, throw at some of this is not going to fix any of it. You have to fix the actual problem. So what this is going to do is just going to lay, lay more debt on people and then and, and take, money, take money away from people that they could be using to, um, to improve their own lives. And then this is going to keep perpetuating. We're going to keep having kids get taught this because we're not fixing the problem. We're going to have more generations that believe that, that they get sold this bill, bill of goods about how you just need to get, get a college degree in whatever. And that's and that's going to set your set you up, and because it's not being fixed fixed where the problem is, so it's not it's not a solution in any way, shape, or form. It's just an excuse to get get their hands on more of our money. Oh, well, as she said, just another band aid, just another band aid. Well, here it's that tiny creep little band aid to get you more dependent on the government. There's another band aid. Here's some more money from from uh, Grandpa Joe right now. Exactly. And it's something else they can hold over people's heads to try to get a vote. And ultimately, that's I think that's what we're looking at is just another uh, more votes bought with our money. Bing, 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 bing. Holy Shatner once again. 
Yeah, so many of these these programs that, that the Dems are pushing, that's you look at it, and that's what it comes down to is we're just going to take some of taxpayers' money and we're going to buy votes with it. We're going to buy you know young people's votes. We're going to buy minorities' votes. We're going to buy women's votes. Whoever, whoever we can threaten or uh, or scaremonger or bribe or whatever it takes, and it doesn't. It's not helping anything. It's just it's just trying to keep them alive in November. Truth, 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 and hopefully we'll still be around to talk about this stuff. You know, hopefully that uh, Grandpa Joe will not have sent his marine minions in to get us sitting there in the background of his Mustafar set. <laughs> I don't know. I think the, f- the food's going to be pretty good in the gulag. <laughs> the food is never good in the gulag. Never. Bor- borscht is good. Well, not a whole lot. It's it's not. But so I, I'm going to get... It is possible to ask for maybe get a little of the, uh, the pigs in blanket. Just not my great aunts. We don't want my great aunts, pigs in the blanket. No, no bueno, as they, they say out here in the in the southwest. No bueno. Oh. I'm a little free desk. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm a, as uh, we've talked about many, uh, on the show before, I, I am a believer in the ultimate good in people, and uh, I, I, I got to keep the positivity glass half full and uh, top me off a little bit more. Fair enough. But, you know... Uh, uh, this too shall pass, and it's in it's in the big man's hands. And I always have faith in the big man. Without getting religious on us here, the end of the latest episode of All Over the Place. Co- co- couple of Catholic guy, a couple of Catholic guys here. Me, you, you and Jim, we 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 could uh, bore the people to death with that one. But you know, we we, we papists, we get like that from time to time. <laughs> long long winded and. Uh... And a little too much, a little too much vino from time to time. But yeah, yeah, on Sunday morning, we, or as we're cute, we don't know the Bible, but you know what? We know the context. That's the important part. We can't quote it, but dang it, we know the context. Context is uh, is currently outlawed by Twitter, but uh, we're damn it, hang on to it. Now you got to end on a downer, man. All right. No, we don't end on downers here. We're, and uh, I won't say what song is coming next because I, I, I got to make sure I can plug it in from a, a reality standpoint. But, uh, well, I, you know, here we, we've gone all over the place. Uh, freestyling part three here on All Over the Place, Exercises in E Pluribus Unum. Oh, and Jim, I've got a, uh, a buddy of mine at work. He came up with the logo for us. And I, I'm going to shoot it cool. to you and see, see what you think. Uh, nice. And uh, I definitely want, definitely want to get some feedback from you. So, um, never mind us right now, folks. I'm, I'm talking about a teaser that you're not going to see until you know maybe two, three episodes down the line. Yeah, a teaser. It'd be an eye catcher, as Bobby Subgum from WDVE was, would once say in a, a currently politically un- incorrect context. Oh, we'll get you now, round eye. So uh, I'll shoot that over to you and see what you think. And uh, – as always, folks, thanks for, for uh, checking us out here on Podbean all over the place. Jim Culver, as always, thanks for being along for the ride. Uh, and uh, we'll be back again next week. Uh, got some guests uh, currently uh, we're, we're uh, making some t- uh, con- having some conversations with some, uh, some musicians, including uh, the uh, current guitarist for who's with Bon Jovi and uh, whose name's escaping me now. Uh, couple other people some uh, some musicians some uh 
some of the speed metal gang from out in uh, San Francisco. And uh, either way, we will be back here, same bet, well, similar time and channel here on All Over the Place. And uh, Jim, any any uh, a final thoughts before we, we head off into this part of the Ethernet? Uh. Just, uh, yeah, everybody have, have a great week, and, uh, you know, stay safe out there. All the kids going back to school. Hope you have a have a great week going back to school. Do away. not step on the gas, folks. Do not step on the gas. These are our future. Never forget that, for better and worse. With or without a college loan, they are our future. <laughs> exactly. All right, my man, you take care of yourself, and uh, we'll talk next week on All Over the Place. Take care, folks. the wall